Hello, and welcome back to the Homeland Sports Podcast. We haven't done this in a while, but this is a, a double episode, two interview episode. Um, Brandon starts it off, it was, it was a solo one for Brandon, um, with Mark Jarvis of uh, Draft Twitter, at What's on Draft NFL. Uh, he's a player evaluator for at NFL Draft Bible um, with Sports Illustrated. And then we uh, close it out with Shakif Seymour, a uh, running back out of Toledo. Um, and uh, a shout out to him. And yeah, it's two really good interviews. And I uh, hope you enjoy them both. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and shoot it over to them. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. We are here. I, Jesus, Dylan's not here. Um, I am Brandon Olson being joined by Mark Jarvis, formerly of What's on Draft, currently with the Draft Bible over at Sports Illustrated. So doing uh, d- doing big things over there. Uh, you can find Mark on Twitter at What's on Draft NFL. Uh, great for, you know, middle of the night tweets. Always fun stuff. At least you know my brand. My brand is 2AM Ray Farmer talking about scouting it at, at, at the ND Combine. So, See, there we go. See, great for the late night tweets. And I'm practically nocturnal at this point. So I love that. Uh, how you doing, Mark? I'm doing pretty good. All right, awesome. We're going to get right into this. Um, your, I don't want to say your brand, but uh, the way that I, I found about, I found out about you was you had the insane what's on draft database um what was that workload like because that to me like reading it was giving me an aneurysm so i could only imagine putting (laughs) it together uh to be quite honest with you i didn't have much of a social life in college so that's pretty much what the workload was like i'd i'd either be sleeping doing schoolwork or i'd be uh, working on the draft database so that's the level workload we're talking with the the database there and how did you get started in scouting? In scouting or in the database specifically? Because that's two different uh, things I was there. going to ask about both. So if you want to okay. both out now. So, <laughs> so for scouting in particular, uh, I used to just browse forums and, and I would be posting about, oh, here's what I think on the NFL players and this and that. But I never actually had like a well thought out opinion. It was just the regular old, let me just talk ball type of thing. Uh, and I ended up seeing people every time draft season would come around, they'd post, this is my big board. This is my rankings. Uh, and I'm like, okay, let me try this out a little bit. And I did that for a little while. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, and then I saw my first scatter report uh, and I saw people putting those out. I'm like, let me give it a shot real quick. And I wrote a scatter report and then I, I picked up what many call the sickness, which is just, you write one and then, oh, I really enjoyed that. Let me write another. And then next thing you know, you're watching UTEP defensive backs who have a no shot in the league and you're writing 500 words on them. You're like, oh man, what am I doing to myself? But um, that's kind of how I got started is I just started writing reports. And um, initially I put them on that forum that I was on. And after a little while, I'm like, you know what? I might as well just make a website to, to put them all on uh, and made the website, started putting some of my opinions on Twitter. And next thing you know, everyone was making fun of me for them. So that's how <laughs> the start in scouting began. And how'd you start the, uh, with the database? I'm sure a lot of people that had got into it around this time remember uh, Draft Breakdown. It was kind of the hub for all the cut-ups. Everyone loved using it because it was free. It made everything nice and simple. You just watched an eight-minute video on a guy. It showed you where he was. And it was just very simple how you could kind of go through scouting that way. 
Uh, after that went down, we had the Jesse Frisch database, which was in and out of, of uh, functionality because Jesse is not a great uh, Twitter handler, so to speak, and can let his emotions get a little bit too far. So, um, but anyways, after he shut down his database, I'm like, you know what? I'm done getting kicked around all over the place, trying to find tape on players. I'm just going to make my own uh, and just build it into what I already have with my database for scouting. So that's how that started is it was an ugly database. It had a lot of ugly color coding and made zero sense for a lot of people, but uh, it was enough to where you could go in there and, and look at tape on any player. So uh, it kind of just became a home for a lot of people on how you find tape. Yeah, that is a, that is how I used to get a ton of my tape watching done, just using that database, um, which thank you for, because without it would have been totally screwed. Um, one thing that we have in common is starting our own website. So I started whole nine, you started what's on draft. And the one thing that you did that I have not done and don't plan on doing um, was that you kind of, you shut it down to go to Sports Illustrated. What was that like? Because I'm sure it was the same way for you. I remember you wrote your, uh, your notice that you put on Twitter about <laughs> it. Uh, it. It's like your baby at a certain point. So what was that like for you to finally of course you moved on to i guess greener pastures would be a fair assessment um you moved on to a bigger uh, yeah. project what was that like for you to like what made you really say bye to what's on draft and jump into sports illustrated well throughout my time with what's on draft a lot of it was just trying to figure out what i liked most about covering the draft what made really made me tick and I realized that it was scouting. Uh, I realized that it was the act of writing up a player. Uh, obviously, with What's on Draft, I tried a lot of different things. I tried podcasting, making articles. Nothing really stuck. Even the stuff with the graphics that I really love to do, it, it was something that I enjoyed, but it wasn't something that I could really turn into appealing to Twitter and really like clicking with what I really uh, value uh, with the NFL Draft. And uh, it was certainly a tough thing to kind of let go uh, because What's on Draft is – in many ways, kind of who I am. It's a, a dedication to a process. It's really just throwing myself at something and saying, I'm going to bang my head against the wall until it works. Uh, and in, in many ways it did, in many ways it didn't, but I found out kind of what I valued as, a, uh, as an evaluator, what really made me tick just in general in life in a lot of ways too, uh, because what's on draft was something that it, it made me work in a way that I never worked in life before. Like, like I said, like it was a lot of time uh, put in it was a lot of stuff that like I missed out on a lot of opportunities in college in terms of social life and all this different stuff, just to dedicate to that baby of what's on draft of having something so comprehensive. Uh, but I think it, ultimately it was just, it, it ran its course. Uh, it, it had its, its time, but uh, it made me a better person and not just a better scout, but overall just a better human being to, to have gone through that process and, and uh, have done what I did with it. How long did you have What's On Draft open for? I started it in November of 2016. It was my first semester of college. Okay, so you had basically four years and some change. Yeah, four years and some change. Um, and, you know, you kind of talk about your process and kind of basically falling in love with the process. Uh, what is your scouting process like like how many games do you watch for players how do you decide which games because i know myself uh if it's someone that i don't really know too well 
I'll kind of look at like their most productive, least productive, and then I'll just pick like a random game so I can see them at their best, worst, and just on a random basis. Um, so what is yours like? How much does athletic testing weigh in? Just all that fun stuff. <laughs> There's so much to get into here because everyone's scouting process, usually when you really get into the nitty gritty of it, is going to depend so much on that person with the habits that they've built up over the years, the things they've learned. Um, me personally, um, mine always just starts with making sure I'm trying to be unbiased when I go into an evaluation. Uh, one thing that I've started doing is I try to go school by school rather than going jump from name to name. Uh, and COVID kind of threw that out of loop because of like you'd have a school where one guy declares and th there's like 10 seniors and they all go back. Uh, so that kind of threw that out of whack a little bit, but um, just trying to approach a, a name and a player with a completely blank slate, because then I can get a more unbiased depending on what a guy does and not have any, any uh, things coming in that are kind of swaying me. Um, but my process is uh, once I pick a player or I'm at a, like I'm going through a school and I pick that player's name out, what I'll do is I'll just figure out, okay, what games did he play? Uh, so I might check to see a stat sheet just to see, okay, did he play at all? But I usually don't care about productive, a productive game versus unproductive game uh, because I don't want to go in thinking this guy had a good game here and he had a bad game here. I don't know what he did in that game until I watch it, until I see what he's doing on the field. You might have a guy throw for 400 yards and he was absolutely terrible. You might have a guy throw for 150 yards and he did everything he could like a Jordan Love versus LSU, for instance. Uh, so I try to avoid having any statistical indicators determine which games I watch. One thing that I've tried to do more and more, and this is something I've listened to from like, I think Kevin Colbert talked about it uh, in, in one of the Steelers videos that they put out, was trying to get a good idea of what a guy does over a season. What does he do early? What does he do in the middle? What does he do late? So if I can, I'll break up games of what does he do at the start of the year and then in the middle and the late. So you get an idea of how did he develop. Um, if you had a nagging injury that maybe was affecting him coming out of the summer, he's fully healed by the time he gets to December uh, and is playing in his bowl game. Uh, but also I know that tape availability is, is limited to an extent. Um, so, and that's something I learned from doing all the cutups over the years. And you take what you can get, you know, whether it's a, a broadcast cutup or a coach's film, uh, you know, I might only have, games up to November on coaches film and I might ha not have a bowl game. So I just got to work with what I have and, and make sure I, I watch enough tape to where I feel comfortable with my evaluation. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm going to let you pick where this goes next. Um, positive or negative first, we're going to get, we're going to get to both of them, but positive or negative first. <laughs> This is, I know where you're going with this. You wanted me to talk about hits and misses, to be quite honest. I never learned anything from a hit. Like I, I don't, if you ask me to name all the top players that I hit on over the years, I couldn't tell you the list because I don't keep track of it much, to be honest, probably because I haven't hit as much as, as I've missed. Um, but um, if you want, we can go one positive and, and I'll just go with uh, Justin Herbert straight out of the gate, obviously had a big season this past year. And there's a lot of hype build up around him. We'll see if he continues on the pace he's on uh, going forward. But he was my quarterback one uh, guy that I thought was getting knocked a little bit too much because he had accuracy, in my opinion. I, I don't think people gave enough respect to his ball placement, especially uh, intermediate area where he had really thread the needle between defenders. I thought stood out. Uh, the arm strength was obviously excellent. I thought he was a solid decision maker. He didn't put the ball in dangerous spots uh, without good reason, in my opinion. So that's my one hit I'll kind of bang, bang the table on. Um, 
And that's the one I can only think of off the top of my head, to be honest with you, because I don't usually memorize hits. But if we can get into some of the negatives, I love talking about the the times I missed because every one of them has a story and some of them are pretty rough. Can, can I bring up a specific one? Oh, yeah. I, I have like, I would say at least three in my mind already. So I'm sure you're going to hit on at least one of those big three. I, I think so, because this one is one that uh, it was before I was scouting. So I didn't have an opinion on him. Um, Kurt Benkert. Yeah, that's 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 probably my favorite all time because I, I gave Kurt Benkert QB one in a class that had uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, obviously, Sam Darnold hasn't been great, but uh, he was hyped up at that time. Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. And I said, yeah, Kurt Benkert's my guy. And I think the thing for that was more than anything, I got stuck on a few splash moments with him. Um, so there was a few plays with Kurt Benker, and I, I can almost remember them off the top of my head. There's one that was a like a 40-yard rope down the left side of the field. Uh, he was playing at Boise State, if I recall correctly. Um, and you saw the arm talent. You saw the the flashes of just what he can do. Uh, and you see, like, there was, like he killed Miami in the first half and went, like, 19 of 19 for 200 yards in the first half against them, too. And so those flash moments from Kurt Benkert, I'd see a few big plays here and there. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, great, he can do all these crazy downfield throws and he can throw off platform and all this stuff. And I really missed on the in and out of down to down, what does he do? Because down to down, he'd have random misses in the short game that you just can't have. Um, even if he was pressured, uh, it still didn't make sense why he'd missed some of the throws that he missed. Um, there was just inconsistency with the ball placement. He obviously had the physical tools um, from a arm strength standpoint, but it wasn't like he was dominating as a scrambler. He wasn't controlled in the pocket all the time. Um, so the flash plays really sold me on him. Also, I was very tired, and that's where I learned never watch tape when you're tired. You have to be awake and coherent because – all it takes is being a little bit too sleepy one night and you watch Kurt Benkert and he's your QB one. Cause you saw him throw a deep, deep left throw uh, on, to a guy who was streaking down the field against Boise state on that nasty blue turf. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, it happens. What are, what are some other of your, cause you mentioned that you have three off the top of your head. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think they are? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a, I could probably, if I, if I thought class by class, I could probably find a bunch of them. Um, there's like ones like Patrick Mahomes. I graded him as like a, a depth player. Cause I thought he was just too reckless. Uh, one that I do really love. And I think it taught me a lot about uh, the, the time it takes to, uh, kind of get your eyes adjusted to the game. I love shock Linwood out of Baylor, uh, back in that class. This is my first year scouting. Uh, he was my running back too in 2017. And the thing that that taught me was I watched him, um, break a couple tackles and he'd had a couple nice plays, uh, and I thought like, oh, he ripped a chunk, like a chunk yardage play. He ran for 30 yards. That must mean he's fast. Or, oh, he broke a tackle against a Kansas defensive back who's arm tackling him. That must mean he's strong. Uh, and until you get an idea of what actual play speed and what play strength looks like by watching guys over and over and over again and really studying tape for years, you're going to see more results than process. And when you see more results than process, you're going to have a skewed view of what it should look like versus what it actually does look like. And so if you told me watch Shockland would now, I'd be like, Oh gosh, he's so slow and he's stiff and he's not explosive laterally and his contact balance isn't that great. And I'd find a lot of things to kind of poke holes in. But back then I just saw a guy who had a few flash plays where, Oh, he broke a tackle and then had a really nice spin and he picked up 20 yards. And my thought was, Oh wow. He's so dynamic in space. When in reality he was just beating up on, terrible Kansas defensive backs and he wasn't really that impressive uh, 
looking back on it. And then uh, you had one take that I remember seeing because I believe it was, I think Matt Miller mentioned it. Um, Ooh, I don't know if I know this one. Uh, you, I, I mean, I know that I remember it because of. I'm I, did, I never knew Matt uh, responded to anything that I put out there, so I'm genuinely curious. Um, Ed Oliver. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, Ed Oliver was the one that I remember. I saw Matt. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, uh, yeah, tweeted about it, um, or mentioned it maybe on a <laughs> podcast or something. But I remember being like, "Wow, Matt Miller is out here talking about it." Yeah, I don't I don't remember Matt ever responding to the Ed Oliver, but to be honest, I kind of blanked out a lot of the Ed Oliver memories because there was a lot of anger over that one. Yeah. Um, and I think some of it was justified. I think I didn't have a, a great enough understanding of just the truly athletic, like truly special athletic ability that he had. Um, because the way I did it was I had a, a system where each certain trait had a uh, grade and then it would just be a basically a total of all your points that you get from each grade and so when you do something like that and have a numerical grading scale that your final grade is your tally of your numerical grades uh you miss out on something that can be special so i might knock ed oliver for oh he doesn't have prototypical size and i don't think he's a great run defender and i don't think he does certain things well as a pass rusher like he rushes with his chest too much instead of using his hands he's not nuanced with his, his counters yet but then you miss out on the fact that we're talking about a guy who's like 285 290 pounds who's like a legit like four six athlete at that like an incredibly explosive and does so many special things um i think my concerns about oliver in many ways were warranted i think uh some of the concerns about how he would project forward with his style uh were warranted but i think my overall grade was too harsh because i wasn't fully understanding how rare that certain trait is of he's so explosive and so gifted athletically uh, that I didn't really give uh, give it enough props, really. And uh, this is a, a player that I know I missed on hard. Um, I, I don't know your take on it, which is why I'm asking now. Hakeem Butler. Wh- where were you on Hakeem Butler? I think I gave Hakeem Butler a backup grade. Uh, it was either backup or depth player. And I thought the drops were an issue. I didn't like his hands at all. Uh, I know, obviously, he's got a great catch radius, but he wasn't consistently maximizing it. Um, if I recall correctly, and this is from a couple years ago, so I could be wrong in how I remember him, but he wasn't particularly nuanced with his routes. I thought he was obviously a height, weight, speed freak. Anyone could see that on tape. But he just felt like he was more of an athlete than a refined receiver at that point. Uh, so I was, in my opinion, correct on Hakeem Butler. I probably could have been even harsher with my grade on him. Uh, to be honest, but I think I had him as like wide receiver 15 or something like that. I was really low on him. And I think that one panned out pretty well. Yeah. Um, I had him as wide receiver two. So I was pretty, I was pretty <laughs> not spot on with him. I, let me see. I have a big board. I had him as the 24th player in the class. So today <laughs> I missed would be a little bit of an understatement. Well, and, and I will say too, there's an aspect of if, like Hakeem Butler has barely been able to stick on rosters right now. Uh, I gave if I did, if I recall correctly, give him the backup grade, I missed too. Like I was too high on him in that case. So you've got to keep in mind, like, obviously like, Oh, you could have a guy who's really, really high who ends up busting. If I have him in the mid tiers and he fails anyways, like I miss just as much. Um, when you put that grade down and you say, this is what the guy's got to be or what he's going to be uh, in my projection, 
whether he goes high or low, regardless of where he falls on that, if he doesn't fall into your grade range and where you project him to end up, then you missed, uh, whether you were hated him or loved him, whatever. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's one of the things where like, I, I fell into the trap with, uh, like, okay. One of the things that you hear a lot amongst like scouts is, uh, scout what he can do, not what he can't do. I think that I take that way too literally because with Hakeem, I was like, Oh, he's a big dude. Like throw it up to him and just let him make a play. And I think I rely way too much on him being drafted into like an ideal situation to around the point. Like, well, if he gets drafted and used how he should be used, then it'll be perfectly fine. And I have nothing to worry about. Like one guy I was very, very high on. Actually, I think it was the same, that same uh, 2019 class was, uh, yeah, Deontay Thompson. I was a huge fan of him. I had him 17th overall. He was safety one for me. And he just, like, did not pan out. But I was thinking, like, oh, like, put him in a cover three scheme, let him play that deep safety, and he'll be a god. And that it just has not panned out at all. But it's like, I still think if he was in that role, he'd be fine. I think what one of the most interesting things that you mentioned though is like the scout what he can do not what he can't do and sorry to interrupt you there but uh, I think a lot of people do take that way too literally uh, because I think that term comes more from scouts like when you're talking about UDFAs when you're talking about like guys down the board like the area scouts hunting for a guy who can make a 90-man roster it's like okay well this guy might be terrible at a lot of things but if it's a uh, if it's a high weight speed guy who has smarts and toughness and he has experience on special teams, maybe he can make special teams. Or you've got the jump ball receiver who all he does is he can just win at the goal line uh, and he can probably contribute on special teams as well. He, he can be a wide receiver five. Um, so you're not going to kill a guy like that. I think that's more for like scouting the down the board guys who they have one or two things. If I watch a guy who's a, a practice squad level guy, who's just, he's got bend and that's it. He can't drop into coverage. He doesn't have refined hands. He doesn't have, you know, run defensibility, but he's got a little bit of bend. Well, maybe he can be a designated pass rusher who comes in late in the season. And he's like the, the guy we just sent out there for 20, 30% of the reps uh, late in the year. And he just gives us a little bit of juice in the passing game. Um, so that's where I think the scouting, what he can do, not what he can't do comes into play. Not necessarily the top guys, because the top guys are so complete that like if you're a top guy and you have some major flaw, it's actually going to hurt you a lot more than like a, oh, well, let's not talk about what he did wrong. Let's not talk about Hakeem Butler's inability to to catch. Let's just talk about how big and freaky he is and going downfield. Yeah, especially when we talk about like Hakeem Butler's hands, like hands have always been a thing where I'm like, <laughs> they can get better at. Because, like, we've seen guys improve, but we've also seen guys that, like, just suck at catching. Mm -hmm. And I think a big thing now is trying to, at least for me, is trying to diagnose when a guy can't catch because he can't catch or can't catch because he's trying to, like, Odell, like, where he's, like, always just trying to make a play immediately and he's, like, not concentrating. And it's, like, well, it's one of those things where, like, I think that's something that's very coachable. I think Mm -hmm. getting the concentration drops are coachable. I'm not too sure about, like, if you have crappy hands you might just have crappy hands but like uh, yeah I, that's now one of the things where i'm trying to be like okay like we can we can improve on this and now like again this is my third draft really like scouting so i'm still at the point where i'm like 
where like now I'm learning, like there are coachable things and not coachable things like mm-hmm. that we really need to like diagnose there and see if it's things like that. Like I remember a big thing with uh, evidently undersized safeties are like my thing. Cause Deontay Thompson was very was rail thin and that was a big concern for him. And now our Darius is short and thin and that's a concern for him. And I just love them both. So I guess that's my type, but it's like, when they bulk up, will they maintain that athleticism that they have or that, that range in general? Um, so I, th- I think it's always very interesting to just hear like other scouts or analysts takes on things and their process and kind of see how that went. Um, I do have one more question for you. That's not related to that at all though. Sure. But I do want to throw out real quick here regarding the hands thing. Actually two things. Uh, the hands thing I think is very interesting because you, like you said, there's concentration drops and then there's bad hands. And I think bad hands, a lot of times you can see it with just a guy having bad hand-eye coordination. Uh, and they just can't identify the ball as it's coming. They can't adjust quick enough. They don't have that twitch to really react and snag it. And then you have guys who just, like you said, they're more focused on making a play. So they'll start, they'll catch it and stride and they'll look to make a play before they've really secured the ball and they really have locked it in. Uh, and so there are some things there that are fixable and not fixable. But like you said, the the natural like crappy hands is I would just say like bad hand eye coordination and ability to track the ball in the air quickly. Uh, it's tough to fix. And then also, like you mentioned with our Darius Washington bulking guys up that are undersized. It's a really interesting thing that I don't think gets talked about enough uh, because there is so much projection to the NFL uh, in the media side, the evaluators will talk about, Oh, well, this guy's got X, Y, and Z ability. And he does all these great things. Well, body typing isn't talked about nearly enough because you look at like a Devonta Smith, right? Devonta Smith's probably, 165, 170 pounds. When you body type him and you look at him, he's not the type of guy who you could probably add much weight to. Like he's just got thin, he's got thin limbs. Like he just got thin bones, thin joints. He's not very broad. Like there's just not a lot to really work with there from a build him up standpoint. So if you added bad weight to a guy, it doesn't do anything helpful. You got to make sure like, okay, this guy's a frame to where we can add the good weight. Uh, and I'm hoping to, in the near future, we can, we can watch some tape together and I can, uh, show you some body typing uh, tricks of the trade that I've learned over the past year or so since I've really gotten into it. Absolutely. I mean, you know that we're both up all hours. So, <laughs> so you just let me for the brand, even if I'm not being active on any discord Twitter, <laughs> I'm, I'm up usually. And I always show up as offline. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do have one more question for you. Uh, actually real quick. You mentioned Devonta Smith being like very thin. Like I can't add solid weight. Like, if I add mm-hmm. weight, like if I were to add like ugly weight, like I, I'm not athletic to begin with. Yeah. Like nothing. If I were to add like bad weight, I have a very thin frame just in general. Um, so I relate with Devante there. <laughs> but, um, the only way that we have any connection. Um, last question is something that we ask pretty much everybody. Um, I'm assuming that you're familiar with my cleats, my cause in the NFL. I am not. Okay, so My Cleats, My Cause is a program where NFL players get to design cleats and they get to wear them to raise awareness for a specific cause that means something to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took it from uh, Justin Treese's wife. I don't want to say her name because I don't know if we ever did and I feel like that might be weird to say. But uh, <laughs> Justin Treese with uh, Talking Football came up with this question a long time ago. And we've used it for pretty much every interview since. So my cleats, my cause, what would your cause be if you were a player 
when you were representing a cause on your cleats? Man, that is so tough because uh, this is one I would like to take a long time to prepare for. I had no clue going into this that I'd be asked that question. That's um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a tough one. Um, oh man, because I can't give like the stereo like the not stereotypical but like the typical answer of like oh anything could be my cause because I want to help everyone with everything. But like I have to come up with a, a really solid one here. Yeah, that's fair. Again, that's one of the things where it's like, we try to not tell yeah. people about this just to, uh, the only time I've ever told anybody beforehand is when an agent is like, well, what are you guys going to ask? And I'm like, well, now I, I feel like I have to include that. Yeah. On the yeah. Spot. But everybody else, we're just like, yeah, we're just going to throw it to the wolves here. <laughs> oh man, I have been thrown to the wolves here. I didn't, I don't want to sit here like silently mulling it over for the next 15 minutes on the podcast you're like come on man give me a cause what are you passionate about please oh man if you don't mind me asking what are some of the past examples i might um, be able to draw some and in, in, uh just some from uh what other people have said here yeah uh we've had a lot again a lot of these are brought up through like personal experiences um we know that i can't remember the exact name of the disease but like we've had um players bring up like oh like my mom suffers from this and it's not like fatal but it's something where like hinders her life like quality things like that um uh okay um madre harbor southern illinois um last year we had him and he brought up i believe it was uh breast cancer because he has family members that he lost um Mm -hmm. we had steve wordle long snapper from iowa state brought up I believe his was autism awareness because he has a, a cousin. Um, a lot of people pick like dog shelters and things like that. Like it's just things that are important to them. Um, some are, I believe Jamichael Hasty brought up uh, underprivileged kids in his area. I believe Tony Fields II said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's just a lot of things where like, obviously these are things that players spend time thinking about because it's like, well, a lot of players like to get involved in their communities. So they spend time yeah. thinking about this and we just throw everybody in. <laughs> we just throw you to the wolves with it. And it's like, damn, like everybody is like, oh man, I uh, wish I knew that one was coming. Yeah. But it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with clean, accessible water. Um, just whether that you're thinking internationally or for like Flint uh, specifically, I think that's something that um, we really don't talk about enough. How many people really struggle to get water uh, each and every day and, and get water that's not going <laughs> to severely hurt them uh, because it's not properly treated. So that's the one I'm going to go with. As someone who drinks a ton of water daily and I probably go through two gallons a day, um, I'm going to roll with that. Yeah. And like, you, like you're from Ohio or at least in Ohio. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, you might not be close to Flint, but it's a neighboring state. So it's something that like mm-hmm. is at least generally close to you, given just like the grand. Yeah. Uh, and, so- and I will say like, I'm very privileged in that. Like, I don't have a family member who struggles with like a severe, severe disease, like breast cancer or anything like that. And like, generally I come from like a privileged area that doesn't have, you know, anyone really struggling. Like, so I would just say like, I don't have anything personal that connects me to that. But when I think about basic necessities and the most basic necessity of them all in my opinion is water uh, and I think everyone sh- is entitled to that and deserves that at, at bare minimum 
um, hopefully food and shelter too. But um, that's the first thing I think of when what does everyone need and deserve? Yeah, awesome. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Mark, for this interview. We'll obviously we'll be in touch frequently. Um, if you guys don't know, Mark is an absolute scumbag when you play Among Us. Um, <laughs> dude is such a lying POS. Uh, <laughs> he fears me on admin table. I changed the meta of how we play that game. And now everyone fears admin table at least once a night when we play it. I hit you with some bad info on admin table as a manipulative imposter who just makes, makes shit up. Uh, and I, I've beaten Brandon so many times with just absolutely vicious false information on that game. Yeah, wait, next time I'm in boss, I'm killing you immediately in front of everyone. <laughs> That's the move everyone started to make, man. Ooga booga. Ooga booga. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Mark. Uh, we'll definitely link up again to this again. This is some fun. I wish Dylan could be here, but... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you so much, and yeah, we'll see you guys next time. And now we are being joined by Toledo. We guys now former Toledo, still Toledo at heart. Uh, running back Shakif Seymour. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Seymour Shakif, I believe it is. And then, yeah, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Just came from a workout. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we are continuing the tradition of as soon every every inter- I think every interview we've done so far has been right after a work, like immediately finishing a workout, which I mean makes sense. People are working out, yeah, it, very yeah, much mid afternoon too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's mid afternoon too, so you probably get up in the morning and do some stretches and stuff like that. You know, just get the body loose, uh, eat a meal, and then you go and work. I probably I think I went and worked out around twelve and kind of just carried it on probably finished around three something took a shower and then i was ready to go and uh see i mean you kind of just touched on it what has your pre-draft like preparation just been like oh man it's been crazy to be honest with you it's been very unorthodox every workout i've i've done has been pushed to the limit uh i probably wake up actually what i do is i'll i'll rest until my body wakes me up so to get as much rest as I need, I'll rest until my body wakes me up because I don't have a actual college schedule no more since I'm not in practices. So I sleep until my body wakes me up, get up, stretch, meditate. I got to do every a meditation session every morning, uh, five-minute meditation session every morning. Then I go and I get in the weight room. Uh, Mondays, upper body days. Tuesdays, lower body days. And Wednesdays are full body days. Then I repeat that. Thursday will be another upper body day and Friday will be a lower body day. But Saturday is mornings or mid mornings on the field. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, afternoons, about five, five, no, after evenings, five, six o'clock will be indoor on the field for me. So I'll be able to get on the field about three or four times a week. Workout is five times a week. And then Sunday is a yoga stretch day. Really just a laid back day for me. My favorite days for real. Play video games, relax, stretch, meditate three times uh, Sunday. And ice bath, any type of rehab that I want to do, roll out, um, ice, heat, anything I need to do of that sort, I do it on Sundays. And that's kind of how a week goes. 
Oh, and I do meal prep too. I meal prep twice a day. Uh, after a workout, I drink a protein shake um, and it give me pretty full. So I actually can't even eat after drinking this. And then around probably about 4.35, I'll eat my first meal, probably chicken, rice, some type of vegetable. And then about 10 o'clock at night, I'll eat another meal, which is same, two pieces of chicken, rice, and some more vegetables. And just, just to keep my body weight level eating at 10, so the workouts won't take too much weight off of me to eat right before I go to sleep or lay in bed so my weight can stay maintained. So I've kind of just been doing it like that. It's been working pretty well. Uh-huh. Uh, what You mentioned video. What's your go-to video game? As of right now, all right, it used to be Fortnite. I first got I got my first video game system in college. I didn't have video, my own video game system like before college. So when I got here, my first game I downloaded was Fortnite. I was playing it heavy. They're really good. But now I'm just straight into Call of Duty or Jump Force. It's a fighting game, an anime fighting game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. He's no. Rocking the, uh, he's rocking the, like the Toledo football player, just like off field uniform. They always wear like their little like the track suit or the sweatsuit, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I got this on campus. Um, every Toledo player is wearing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, you know, Jump Force is Jump Force is cool. I work at a GameStop, so that's. Do you play Jump Force? Um, I've played it. My friends play it. But we we mostly play a lot of Smash Brothers if we're playing a fighting game. But, I'm not. I'm not too good at Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. <laughs> It's all good. But uh yeah, no, Jump Force is dope. I played a little bit of it. And of course, Call of Duty, everybody plays Call of Duty. No, yeah, I just got on Call of Duty about a month ago. I wasn't even playing it. Mm-hmm. You it's Warzone or are you playing like multiplayer? I play multiplayer and then I play straight plunder. It's okay. like you collect money to about a million and confirm kills and stuff like that. But I don't play Warzone too much. I tried it when I first got on um Call of Duty. I tried Warzone when I first got on and I was terrible at it. So I stuck to multiplayer and plunder because Warzone is big old map, too many people in a small circle, and then everybody wants to snipe. Just kind of get old. Very fair. Um, so we mentioned uh, you've been working out a lot. Do you have any like predictions or expectations on uh, like some of your ath- athletic testing numbers or what you're most confident in? It's going to shock people. I don't really have any predictions or to say, wow, just look at this. I'll just say, I'll just say, turn the tape on really, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're going to see, you're going to see exactly what you need to see in the tape. You know what I'm saying? But the work I'm putting in, you know, I'm positive that I'm going to have a good pro day. I'm not worried about it, so to speak. But if I feel like if people want to see something, don't look at a, don't look just at the pro day, turn up, turn the film on and, and watch the film. And then I think you'll see a lot more of what you want to see, the versatility and just having a ball in my hands or not having a ball in my hands. I think that that shows more so than a pro day would do. Yeah. And um, one of arguably the best game that I've seen really was uh, your freshman year. I don't know if you remember it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 67 yards, five touchdowns against BG. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that like it was yesterday. Five touchdowns in the game, wow. On only 12 carries. What did it feel like? What did it feel like? Unreal. 
it felt unreal just at the fact that, you know, I was a freshman, one. Mm-hmm. And then two, I was a redshirt freshman, though. I had a, a, a year to develop, you know. And that year to develop, I remember the work I was putting in, you know, just off the field, you know, without people looking. I don't really like posting videos and stuff like that. I got to, I'm doing it now, but I was never big in that. So I remember just the work I was putting in throughout that redshirt freshman year. And then going in as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman, just that feeling of like the work that I put in and seeing it on the field, that's what felt the best. Mm-hmm. And, uh... you know, it's like, it's like a, it's like a proud feeling for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Because you know that the time you was on the field and you're like, man, I really don't want to finish doing this or you diet in it. You know, you don't want to diet for two months straight, but you're going to do it anyway. Like stuff like that is just like, and then you get on the field and you perform that way. That just, it's just a proud moment for yourself, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody like loves the Mac. Like everyone loves hashtag like Maction and stuff like that. But I also yeah. feel like people get knocked for playing in the Mac. What do you have to say about the the level of competition that there is in the Mac versus what like the public eye would think? I'm playing the Mac and see. <laughs> All I gotta say is I think pe- people think too much of people coming out of high school, four stars, five stars, whatever you want to call it, or maybe. But then you go come around the Mac and you go see a lot of guys that had the same offers out of high school that just didn't decide to go to those bigger name schools. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Mac, you want to talk about physical football, come to the Mac. <laughs> you go get physical football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think, I, yeah, like I think that's why people love watching Mac football. You know, it's not, I don't think it's any different than higher level football. You got to read defense the same. If you're in the backfield, you still got another rotation of a safety, one high to two high. You know what I'm saying? You still got to understand the three front to a four front, even a five front when they go bare. You still got to understand that type of stuff. So I, I don't really see um, why people judge it off that or, you know, if I'm in an ACC or SEC, whatever they want to call it. But I don't think why, I don't understand why people judge it by that. But I say if you really want to understand the Mac, come play in the Mac or watch it, you know, mm-hmm. and see and see what's going on in the Mac. You know, you got some good teams. You got some good players coming out the Mac. And that's just not once a year this is every year you can go back to ben big ben uh this player still is miami of ohio what i'm saying is they produce players they produce great players you know what i'm saying all over the league and i don't think there's really much of a difference yeah go back and ask the people getting tackled by khalil mack and see if if they think (laughs) it was hard if it was easy playing in the mac (laughs) yeah that's all like yeah you know it's, it's so much it's so much film out there from not just myself but other players great player that had played in a Mac. You can go to the receiver from Western Michigan a couple of years ago, got drafted first round, fifth pick. Uh, Corey Davis. He was just amazing. Like Corey Davis, he was just amazing. Like, you know, and I don't think anybody was just going to sit there and one-on-one just stop him. You see what they did in the out-of-conference game that year. I'm pretty sure they went undefeated. So if you want to talk about the Mac, come play in the Mac or just come see how good these guys can really be come see how polished these guys can be because I'm pretty sure that I sit in the running back room my freshman year and the coach is looking at me like, you need to learn uh, cover two from cover three to cover four, see the rotations of the safety. Know when Congo's coming, know if Cali's coming, know when Mike, it was the same stuff. You learn the same stuff. You still got the same, the coaching level and everything that you're going to see is, I don't think it's much of a difference. Wow. Yeah. And um, so your Instagram handle is OTF underscore fish. Uh, yeah. 
Reggie told me why they call you Fish. But I just wanted to touch on how you, exactly you got that nickname. All right. So when I was younger, when I first started playing football, I had an orange chain top shirt. Fish is all on the front of it. And I wore that shirt. It was a big Nemo fish. Actually, I was right in front of it. Uh, I used to wear that shirt like every day to practice, come on, wash it, wear it. I wanted to wear it every day. And my coach, uh, Coach Stevie, passed away. Uh, my first football coach, he he's like, man, I'm going to call you Nemo. And I'm, dude, do not ever call me that again. Like, bro, that's like, that's like not happening. Like, that sounds so feminine. That's what I told him, exactly what I told him. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you Fish. I'll go with Fish then. And then what made it worse is I would skip practice sometime to go swimming. Like, I wouldn't even go to practice. I'll go straight to the pool. It was hot, too. I'll go straight to the pool. So it just stuck. Like, they knew it. He was just like, do you fish from now on? And then next thing you know, the way I was playing on the football field and your coach screaming fish all the way you know what I'm saying? Just hey, just run outside, and everybody hear fish, and then, and then it just kind of it just kind of caught on, and it just stuck. I mean, hey, it's not a bad nickname for a running back. I, I can see, I can see how, how it fits. Yeah. Um, you recently said that the Bears are your favorite NFL team. Uh, how did you become a fan of them, and how much would it mean if you got to play for Chicago? I've been a Bears fan since I can remember. I've been a Chicago fan. I'm a, I was born and raised in Chicago, moved to Cleveland, was raised out there by my mom. But, but like, I've been a Chicago fan. I got, like, the Blackhawks and the, the White Sox, the Bears, the Cubs, I, the Bulls. I got them all on my on my arm, you know. But And I got the city of Chicago right on my forearm. But it just, you know, the love of the city. When I was younger, I used to uh, – I was a big basketball guy first. So, But that was because uh, of Derrick Rose, like, favorite t- my favorite player, still my favorite player to this day. And my mom and his older brother, they went to the same school together. You know, they went to Randolph together and stuff like that. They was really good friends. So just me growing up, I always just watched Derrick Rose. I was just always a big fan. And that just kind of stuck with me. Just I was always just a Chicago fan from from jump. Like, I never was not a Chicago fan of anything. I don't know if there's, a, if there's an NBA player in the history that is more loved by the fans of his original team after leaving than Derrick Rose. Everyone I know that is a Chicago fan still loves Derrick Rose. That boy is Chicago. That's why, man. The yeah. grind, man. I'm telling you, you see how he's working? That's all I got to say. He's Chicago. You see the grind in him, and, and it don't stop. That grit inside of people that come from out there is inside of you. And when you get it, nobody could take that from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, going from the youngest player, MVP, uh, MVP the youngest player in NBA history, and, and to deal with what he had to go through and I'm still playing in the league to the, to this day, and being a reliable person and on the court to this day is something that's just that speaks volumes. Like you know what I'm saying. And I've been watching him since I was so young. Like it's just like I know like he go come back. I knew he was gonna come back. It never really was a doubt to me. Like I still tell people to this day, like bro, just go watch their roles. I don't care what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, just go watch him. Still go put on the tape. When he dropped, he dropped like fifty something last year, I said, and everybody was talking about. It. I said, told you. <laughs> never, I never doubted him. Still, not to this day. Just because, like, I'm a big Chicago fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And you, oh, you also said what would it mean to me? Uh, what would it mean to me to be able to play for the Bears? Wow. <laughs> It'd be a dream come true, to say the least. At the end of the day, all my family, you know, aunties, uncles, uh, cousins, you know, every everybody you could think of that's 
family, a part of my inner family is in Chicago. And if they didn't move out of Chicago, like probably Indiana or or Cleveland, where I'm at now. But besides that, all my family is in Chicago. And it just, I think it'll just be a surreal feeling, but it'll just, it'll, I think it'll be something that'll be like, if I got there, I, I knew what I was working for my whole life. And it'd be that proud moment to be able to tell my mom, like, like I did it, <laughs> you know, better say like I did it, you know? And, and I think that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest achievement for me. Just be able to tell my mom, like I did it, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, nowadays we see everybody enters the transfer portal. Uh, you throughout your career at Toledo, your red shirt year, you were behind Kareem Hunt, Terry Swanson. Your red shirt freshman. My big bro. You're behind Terry Swanson, who uh Terry's one guy like from Toledo, like I remember, no hanging out with him. And uh after that, you had Bryant Kobach transferred in and then you split time with him. So what was it that That's made my brother you never leave and try to be like a workhorse somewhere else? Um, Okay, I'm gonna tell you the story real quick. So my mom, when I was younger, when I first started playing football, I didn't want to play. I wanted to be a boxer, you know, and that was just because I used to like to fight and I wanted to be a boxer. That's what I wanted to do. And I was skinny too. I was probably like a hundred pounds wet, easy. And I was just skipping football practice and just like going to boxing classes. And my 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 mom found out, you know, and I'm like going to practice, running. Come on, you can come over here. I was going to practice running and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, can't do this. I can't do that. Mom, I can't do it. I can't do it. I take my helmet off. But I was just saying I couldn't do it. Not that I couldn't. Yeah, I just I was always, I was just always big on, I can't do this. I can't do that. So one day I come home from practice and my mom's like, put your helmet on. She puts my shoulder pads on. Okay. So I put my helmet on. She puts my, sh- she puts my shoulder pads on. She takes me outside to our little bitty yard and she's like you gotta tackle me now bro I didn't say anything I just looked at her one I'm 100 pounds wet okay and my mom at the time but I promise you she's like 300 like 15 pounds like my mom was sick you know she you know a lot of steroids injected to her and stuff like that so she was a bigger lady I'm like 100 pounds wet and she ran right through my face bro knocking me I'm talking about ran right through my face like right through it after that, bro, I promise I haven't said I couldn't do something again. And I've been running the football just like that. Just like she just like she did me. Like that's just just something in me. And then at the same time, there's something inside of me that says I'm still the best player on the field. And it's humbly because I don't talk about it. When when my boy Kobach came in to transfer, he instantly became my brother. We need to learn this playbook at the end of the day. Because we both had to play. I knew when I got on the field to make plays, I didn't stress about making plays, but I knew what I had to do. I think if you're a good player and you understand that, why transfer if you put the work in? You know what I mean? People tell me to transfer. Like, I'm talking about a lot. You can go somewhere else. You can go somewhere bigger. Why? I'm not running from a uh, – how, 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 how would you put it? I didn't want to run from a challenge. Mm-hmm you know, so to speak. And that's just that grit I was talking about, you know, just coming from where I come from, I done seen way more things than being second string for five years. I done seen way, bro, I got a scholarship to college. Where I come from, it just don't happen too much, you know? So 
I just wanted to put the work in. I didn't care about who was in front of me. That was all still with my brothers, like all of them. Kobe, man, Kobe just got the phone the other day. He's like, make sure you do 75 push-ups three times a night before you go to sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't even play together no more. But just, just like, that's my brother. Like, I don't really see the people make a big deal out of transferring. And it's like, why put the work in? Don't, don't run from everything, you know? And I just try to take everything head on, just like my mama did, taught me when I was younger, when she ran right through my face, you know? Who said I couldn't be the best playing second string? Who said I couldn't be the best playing second string? Who said I couldn't have the best film playing second string? Nobody. And I think that was, that was just how I thought about it all the time. Like, bro, what did you go transfer for? It's a challenge right in front of you. You go fold or you go keep running towards it. I just kept running towards it. Uh, and... So you you did uh, you did still get the film on so like what would you say to like coaches uh, about the advantages of playing four years still being productive but also not having the tread of a work workhorse running back? Well, really, is playing four years in college the understanding you get from football? Like just in general, you watch the film from my first year to the last year the difference in what you see and really the way I was running every year from this year to next year, always just trying to get better. You know what I'm saying? Was never trying to be this kind of running back. Mm -hmm. Who said you always got to be a power back, you know? So I started doing this. It was more so doing this. And that's what I still train to do every day. You know, my workouts is not to work out for a, a test. It's a workout to be better on the field. And I've worked out like that forever. So when you turn the film on, See the see the eyes, the eye placement, or what am I doing when I see this difference movement from the D lineman shifting, or what the linebackers are doing, or how do I pick up a block block from this year to that year? Just see the consistency and picking up blocks, or leaking out the backfield, get a quarterback an option to throw the check the ball down, and and stuff like that. That that just comes with understanding the game speed and. Even if you're a second string, you go in there and you still got to understand the game speed. You get, still got to understand what's going on. So that comes with the the, the whole understanding of playing for four years and having guys that was in front of me that taught me well. Like I had, Rain, I had Kareem Hunt to just sit there and watch for a year straight. <laughs> just watch for a year straight. Like literally, I just got to watch him for a year straight. Imagine being able to watch him in practice for a year straight. As you're trying to get better and better and better and better, you're just working. You get to watch him for a year straight. What's he doing? Dude, I used to be in I used to be in meetings just taking notes, just writing the same thing down over and over again so I could stay fresh in my memory. So by the time I got on the field, like you said, as a freshman, I knew the playbook. I knew the protections. Now it's just 11 on 11 football. You know? And that's just mono a mono. I think if you if you turn the film on and you see that, then I think that's what's gonna really pop out to you. Are there uh, are there any players that you would say you model your game after? Uh, it didn't used to be. It's like, it just was just me. Like, I'm just me. Like, I feel like I got my own style. I can make you miss. I'll run through you if I feel like it. Most of the time, I feel like it. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Catching all. But my bros, like, around me, like, man, do you – you run a ball like Leonard Fournette. So, I guess I got to go with Lenny because – 
I didn't got a lot of I, a lot of people that told me like you know you you run like like a grown man like dude you running out run the ball like Lenny Fournette so I got to give it to Lenny. Yeah, um, we already mentioned the uh, the Bowling Green game your freshman year, but do you have another like favorite on the field memory? The BYU game, the game when a touchdown run, we was on a one after Khalil uh, caught the pick, ran it back to the one. And we got a stretch play to the right, and it kind of got, like, pushed back a little bit. And I was able to keep my feet. And that's another thing I would like, you know, for anybody just, just watching my tape is to just watch the feet, to watch my feet and to see how clean it is and, you know, without having to look at them all the time. And it was just, you know, the way I was able to bring my feet back and bring it back forward and still keep my power to pound it in from the one and score the game with a touchdown against BYU was kind of just – it was it was amazing. One, I had just lost a couple of people in my life that meant a lot to me, and that going into that game, I just had a lot of emotion. So when I was able to do that, it just kind of felt, it felt really good. Yeah, and that uh, that BYU game, you had two touchdowns, and including the game winner, was just yeah, big yeah. game. But um, yeah, do you have a favorite off field memory? And if you mention anything about like chasers mm. or rock star near campus. I'm I'm ending the interview. I'm just letting you know that right now. No, actually, off-field memories. I am a pretty boring dude. Like I don't really go outside, so I'm not big on outside. I I've never been to a chasers. I ever a rock star. Like I ain't been. Nope, haven't been. I've been to Jed's one time to get some wings my freshman year. Like I was vegan. I had bro. I was I was a no. I was a pescatarian for. For a little minute and like my after like after my red shirt freshman year my guy eric davis he's like bro i'm taking the gym to go get some wings you know a little bar my like, all right cool i got some wings and my stomach was hurting for like the last three days but that's probably the only time i went there for real i don't really go out much you're pescatarian so another reason to call you fish there you go it's just- <laughs> I, no i was but i'm not a pescatarian no more <laughs> <laughs> and then uh so the way we like to end every recording or every interview is uh are you familiar with my cleats my cause in the nfl i'm not actually okay so my cleats my cause is when players get to design their cleats to represent a specific cause that's important to them uh so you'll be doing this in hopefully just a few months but uh do you have a specific cause that you would like to represent yeah my mom uh, my mom just passed away November 7th of uh, last year, about four months ago. And shit, that was my everything, my my rock, our, my family's rock. That was our superwoman, you know. I didn't really have a – my dad was in jail since I was a baby. So, you know, she she took care of everything. She made sure everything was straight. And I lost to my senior year of football. She came to the BG game, saw me play, and that was the last time I seen her. So, it'll be my mom for sure. All right. Well – uh, thank you for coming on and good luck in the next couple months of, I guess, two months, really. Yeah, um, next hopefully we'll hear, we'll hear your name called, uh, not too late. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I really do. No problem, man. And, uh, have a great one and good luck with, uh, the rest of your workouts, man. Thank you. You guys have a good day too. As well. Thanks.